Taiwan has released its first study on infection-induced immunity to COVID-19. The study tracked more than 200 COVID patients for more than a year after their recovery. It found that viral immunity doesn't last long, falling to just 30% about 500 days after recovery. This study was commissioned by the Taiwan CDC and conducted by National Yangming Jiaotong University. Taiwan has released its first study on the immunity of recovered COVID cases. The study found that 500 days after recovery, immunity dropped to just 30 percent. Experts recommend getting vaccinated three months after a COVID diagnosis to bolster protection. With regard to diagnosed COVID cases, after some 500 days pass, your immunity will be at about 30 percent. People who get vaccinated do indeed have higher levels of antibodies, so we encourage diagnosed COVID cases to get vaccinated again. Among mild cases who didn't get a follow-up vaccination and severe cases who didn't get a follow-up vaccination, you can see that after 400 days of tracking, or beyond 400 days, there was a significant drop in their antibody levels. In severe cases, antibody levels stayed higher for a longer period of time. When mild cases were tracked for 500 days, their immunity dropped to 30 percent. If they had gotten vaccinated, their immunity stayed at 100 percent around the 100-day mark. That's higher than the immunity level of cases that had not gotten vaccinated. The preliminary conclusion of the study is that, first, a severe COVID case induces immunity that's stronger for a longer period of time compared to a mild case. Second, with vaccination, infection-induced immunity will stay stronger for longer than it would without vaccination. The study was based on early virus strains, which behave differently from the Omicron variant that's become dominant. Even so, researchers believe the study offers valuable insights. When we think of long COVID, we normally think of exhaustion and brain fog. But recently, people have also seen outbreaks of rashes and pustules all over their skin. Dermatologists say the numbers of patients who have been seeking treatment for these symptoms has increased by around 30%. The symptoms can be very itchy and there can be small pustules, one by one, all over the body. Some people will experience their skin easily infected with folliculitis, and even urticaria symptoms will appear repeatedly all over the body. Symptoms that result from long COVID are actually around for a long time. After getting infected by COVID, the virus can have many effects on bodily symptoms. It can attack body organs, including those outside our internal organs. And I think that with the skin's surface, there's possibly some stimulation of cell hormones in our immune cells and even inflammation of cytokines. This can increase resulting skin problems. These symptoms can come and go in something like a delayed reaction. Doctors remind people who experience these post-COVID skin symptoms that aside from keeping them under control with medicine, to drink more water, eat more vegetables and less oily food, and to get enough sleep. This can boost the body's immune system in order to fight those rashes and other pesky symptoms that are caused by long COVID. In the wake of China's import ban on Taiwan grouper, help has been offered from Japan, a Fukushima a based fish farm wants to help Taiwan sell grouper in Japan. According to the Sankei Shimbun, the fish farm operator wants to repay Taiwan for its kindness over the Tohoku earthquake. The operator has already found several Japanese sushi chains that want to try out Taiwan's grouper. 
According to the Council of Agriculture, Taiwan exported 6,681 metric tons of grouper in 2021. Only two metric tons of that was exported to Japan. But in the wake of China's ban on Taiwan grouper, a Japanese entrepreneur is looking to help the fish make inroads in Japan. According to Akio Yeta, head of the Sankei Shimbun's Taipei Bureau, help was offered by the head of Hayashi Trout Farm, a major Fukushima-based operation. The owner wished to repay Taiwan for helping Japan after the Tohoku earthquake. Following the earthquake and its nuclear disaster, his products were shunned by a fearful market. The entrepreneur said he knew what it was like to be rejected for political reasons and that he wanted to help Taiwan grouper enter the Japanese market. So far, he's already found several sushi chains that want to try out the fish, he said. He is the head of the largest fish farm in Japan. Basically, all Japanese fish sellers are his sales channels. So he is at the center, and he's inviting everyone to buy. In the past, we hadn't really seen Taiwanese businesses make a push into the Japanese market. But I think this will change in the future. Whenever anything happens to Taiwan, Japan steps forward to provide its full support. Since the Tohoku earthquake, we've seen such a friendship between Taiwan and Japan. In the past, we had trouble exporting giant grouper to Japan, mainly because these fish eat algae, and there are concerns about potential toxins. But the reality is that Taiwan's breeding technology is excellent and fully meets the highest standards. I think that in the future, the Taiwanese grouper industry will have tremendous business opportunities in Japan. According to the COA, Japan's main concern over Taiwan grouper is algal toxins. But in Taiwan, exported grouper is farmed and raised on commercial fish feed. The COA says that with more bilateral communication, Taiwan grouper can have tremendous potential in Japan. Taiwan's export orders rose 6.8% month-over-month in May to reach 55.43 billion U.S. dollars, a record high for the month. That's according to data released by the Economics Ministry on Monday. Officials said that the rise was due to China's easing lockdowns and improvements in global supply chain problems. Looking ahead, officials see orders rising again in June to hit between 55.5 billion NT and 57 billion NT. Export orders in the second quarter are expected to increase 1.2% to 2.1% year-on-year. However, exports are warning of global uncertainties up ahead. They say that rising U.S. interest rates may weaken consumer demand and dampen Taiwan's export performance. Let's turn to our taste buds with a look at one of Nanto's best-kept secrets. A dumpling restaurant in Zhushan Township has been going strong for 40 years. Its local reputation for fresh, generously filled dumplings is unrivaled. Cabbage, Chinese chives, and Taiwan pork go together into a blender. The dough is also handmade in-house. After they all go into the machine, out come fat dumplings wrapped up automatically. The wrapped dumplings are placed on the grill and simmer in oil and water. The water soon evaporates and the dumplings are sizzling. Just 10 minutes later, the bottoms are crisp and golden, and it's time to take them off the heat. We only use fresh cabbage, chives, and Taiwanese pork. That's what we put into the filling. We want customers to be satisfied, so we fill them up nice and big. And the dumplings can only come off the heat when the bottom is starting to go golden brown. Then the skin is softer, squishier, and thinner. 
cut the dumplings open and you find them bursting with goodness. They're clearly a good third bigger than your average dumpling. A plate of five makes a very filling meal. The crispy skin and melting middle delight many happy customers. The dumplings they serve are very big, the skin is crispy, and the filling is generous. They're delicious. The restaurant has been in business for over 40 years. Lots of Jusan natives come here for breakfast, especially local students, who can be seen lining up at the counter in the early hours of the morning. Lots of faithful customers have been coming for 10 or 20 years. The name of the restaurant spreads when people move away, but can't forget about the dumplings they now miss. The texture is great, and it's not cloying, it's very fresh and sweet. I come back to the area once a month, and I always come and eat here. This is what my husband misses more than anything. And to top it off, the generously filled dumplings are modestly priced, giving locals an affordable treat every day. No wonder there are queues. We now turn to a life story that proves second chances make all the difference. Restaurant owner and chef Wu Junjie was convicted of assault as a teenager after getting caught up in gang violence. He was sent to study abroad and suffered bullying and racial discrimination. But after falling in love with food, he returned to Taiwan to found a thriving business. A five-ounce fillet steak is grilled over charcoal. It comes off the flame with satisfying charred grill marks, then sits for 10 minutes so heat can saturate the whole fillet. The steakhouse sells 400 of these fillet steaks a month. You might never guess the chef, 37-year-old Wu Junjie, was convicted of violent crime in his youth. One evening, another student suddenly called me up and said, Hey, a gang beat me up. We were kids then, and we thought brotherhood was everything. So we decided to go over there and back him up. And what happened was my friend grabbed someone from behind and told me to hit his hands. So I grabbed a big lock and smashed it against the guy's hand and broke his hand. The fight sounds like something from a low-budget crime movie, but the incident was a tragedy, not just for the victim, but also for Wu's parents. I was charged with assault. The day I went to court, my guardians had to be there, so that was my parents. And that meant my mom had to go to court on her birthday, which she was pretty upset about. Wu's parents then sent him to the U.S. to get him into a different social circle. While overseas, Wu experienced being bullied for the first time. People with yellow skin got bullied pretty bad. At lunch, people would blackmail me. Someone would grab me and take me to a spot called Asian Gate, which meant the garbage site. After I had bullied other people, then when people bullied me, how did I feel? Actually, I felt quite a strong sense of guilt. Studying abroad did little to interest Wu in academics. But in his first year at university, he had a life-changing experience. He ate an unforgettable meal in a steakhouse and decided to enter the restaurant industry. On my birthday, I went to a steakhouse in Beverly Hills. The steak I had left such a strong impression on me. It was unlike any steak I'd ever eaten in my life. It was really burned on the surface, almost black, but so tender deep inside. I thought, I want to make steaks like this. Wu started visiting farms to pick out the best meat, continually experimenting on his quest to recreate that perfect steak. Returning to Taiwan, he got a 2 million NT loan from a youth startup scheme and opened his first steakhouse. 
After its success, he went on to open seven other ventures, including a Japanese barbecue joint, a wedding reception venue, and a bar. Overall turnover is now 200 million NT. Thank goodness mom and dad had a bit of patience with their unruly son. President Tsai Ing-wen honored two military officers for their service on Monday. Air Force General Zhang Deping was awarded the Order of the Precious Tripod with Grand Cordon, which honors significant contributions to national security. Tsai also promoted the Air Force's Zheng Rongfeng to the rank of general. Zhang Zheping, strategic advisor to the presidential office and former head of National Defense University, was honored on Monday by President Tsai Ing-wen. During his tenure as president of National Defense University, he spared no effort in promoting military exchanges and cultivating talent. I asked President Chang to serve as a strategic advisor. Also on Monday, Lieutenant General Zheng Rongfeng was honored by President Tsai with a promotion to the rank of general. He was among the first wave of instructors to travel to France for the refitting of our Mirage 2000 fleet. As the forms of warfare became more diverse, our military building and our preparations must keep up with the times. In the future, whether with indigenous defense policy or military reform, we must proceed at an even brisker pace. Both officers' wives were at the ceremony to witness the moment, and they posed for photos with the president. Tsai also recorded a video message for this Friday's joint graduation ceremony for Taiwan's military academies. In the course of executing your combat readiness missions, you will inevitably encounter challenges. But I want to tell you all, don't be discouraged and downhearted over temporary difficulties. You are devoting yourselves to your training, not only to protect your beloved family, but to secure the safety of everyone in this nation. Tsai called on the graduating cadets to press ahead and to never forget their ideals. She said she hoped the new officers would use their expertise to improve Taiwan's combat readiness. At 9.05 this morning, a magnitude 6 earthquake struck Hualien County at a depth of just 6.8 kilometers. The shallow quake was felt nearly nationwide. In Hualien, it measured 5 on Taiwan's 7-tier intensity scale. It measured 4 on the scale in Taitong and Nantou. In Hualien County, the earthquake sent ripples coursing through Li Yu Lake. A nearby security camera recorded the impact of the earthquake and about a dozen aftershocks. More aftershocks of magnitude 5 or above could strike Taiwan over the next two days. Let's head now to the home of Taiwan's champion motorcyclist Chen Suangchen. Chen is no, best known for setting the Guinness World Record for the longest distance ever ridden over a tightrope on a motorcycle. Now in his 60s, Chen has retired from the sport and it's time to indulge his audiophile nature. He's been digitalizing an impressive collection of vinyl records. We caught up with Chen to hear how he's making the most out of retirement. The beloved voice of late Taiwanese singer Guo Jingfa fills the air. His deep voice and nostalgic sound for so many on a record pile sits lots of his contemporaries, Yu Tian Taiting and Teresa Ting. This collection belongs to a retired champion motorcyclist Chen Shuangchen. 
Five years ago, I was determined not to retire. I went to Veterans General Hospital and my knee doctor told me. I was just over 60, actually not even that. And he said it was worse than a 70-year-old's knee. He warned me to stop writing. But despite his doctor's warnings, Chen didn't give up his passion immediately. It wasn't until he was struggling to walk that he decided to call it a day and switch to focus on music. He bought this special ultrasound cleaning machine to care for his collection of records. He also bought a vacuum tube amplifier, allowing him to enjoy the purest vinyl sound available. Then he thought it would be fun to preserve the collection for posterity by digitalizing it. Nowadays, CDs can't record the voices of the past. We only have vinyl. So long as the quality is okay, we can still recover the old voices. Chen sits on the sofa to listen to his digitalized records. As for motorcycle tricks, he's passed the baton on to his nephew Chen Wen Mao. Except for at charity events like this one, where he attracts large audiences, reveling for one more moment in the thrills of the sport. Xie Tantang has had a long story career as an obstetrician. Now in his old age, he also enjoys local fame as a long-distance runner. The 69-year-old has tackled all six of the world's major marathon races, including the notoriously tough Boston Marathon. He jogs in his spare time and was once a spokesman for the Taipei Marathon. We catch up with him today to get his advice for beginning runners. Looking sporty in his sleeveless shirt, this is Xie Tan Tang, who's nearly 70 years old this year. He's the superintendent of Taipei's Changgeng Memorial Hospital. Among fellow medical professionals, Xie is famous as a marathon buff. Xie once served as spokesman of the Taipei Marathon. He's tackled the world's six major races, including the highly difficult Boston Marathon. But he got started with running relatively late in life, after turning 50. He had turned to marathons only after suffering a badminton injury. I often make fun of myself and say that to run a marathon, you need two qualities. The first is masochism, and the second is autism. Once you get past 100 laps or so, you start to think that the judges are counting your laps wrong, that they must be missing one or two laps. If you're not really cut out for running, you start to walk. And then after walking for a while, you start to think, it's not fun if I don't run. If you're someone on the heavier side and you want to start running, I'd recommend that you do some weight training and diet control. The seasoned runner is happy to share tips for beginners. He makes sure to get his exercise even on busy workdays. Xie is known for taking the stairs, flying up from the first floor of his hospital to the 11th floor delivery room. He makes a climb every day that he's on duty. Step on with the sole of your foot and your center of gravity will follow. You should not use the front of your foot to push yourself up. What you should be using is your core muscles and pelvic muscles. The thing is to not rush yourself. Go slowly. You can join the fitness movement no matter how old you are. Don't sweat the small stuff and don't overthink things. Just do it. Even as he approaches 70 years old, this renowned obstetrician is still on call 24 hours a day to deliver babies. He exercises only when he has spare time. But with his can-do spirit and the help of a balanced diet, he enjoys good health and a sprightly step that belie his age. Bird lovers, look up. We set our sights now on the seas of Penghu, where terns make their nests to breed each summer. The uninhabited islands of Penghu 
are the perfect home for these elegant seabirds. The flocks of birds wheeling over the sea attract lots of admirers, and even the world's rarest tern can be spotted here, despite being critically close to extinction. Tourists take a boat out to sea. They're headed for Maoyu or Cat Island, but they've already spotted a magnificent flock of terns. In the waters around Huayu and Maoyu, these terns fill the skies around their cliffside roosts, astonishing visitors. There are six types of terns found in Penghu. They start arriving on the deserted islands of the archipelago in April and breed between June and August. They can often be seen hunting in large flocks. The terns on Maoyu are mostly brown noddies and bridal terns. Every year there are more than 10,000. This year the greater crested terns have already laid their eggs, mostly on Pong Pong Beach. And there's a large number right now. The world's most critically endangered tern is the Chinese crested tern. There are believed just to be 100 of the birds alive. They often appear on the deserted islands of Penghu, but so far nobody has caught them on camera. Recording one here has become a holy grail for local ecologists and photographers.